Welcome to our Agile Tales, where we share the various successes and trials we've encountered as we navigate corporate levels and political waters to transform the business to be adaptable to this forever changing world. We are continuing our conversations with Natal Denk, a workplace, culture, and people development expert. She is a pioneer in the Agile HR movement and coaches clients across all industries ranging from tech to nonprofits to global banks. In 2017, she co-founded the Agile HR community and in 2020, co-authored the pioneering book, Agile in HR. If you missed our previous episodes, we suggest revisiting them first. Otherwise, we're happy to have you here as we embark on further exploring Agile in HR on our Agile Tales. Welcome back, Natal, on another episode of our Agile Tales. Let's dive into specifically our favorite performance management and rewards topics. So how are performance and reward currently siloed in HR? And what would be the holistic approach? So what I think the problem is, is that the legacy is that it's considered an all-in-one solution when you release a performance management system or approach that it equals how people are awarded, equals how people are getting developed in their careers, it equals how they're getting performance feedback. But actually, they are three separate areas that you really need to be conscious of how are you making that happen in the organization. And if we think of the very traditional way of doing performance management, there was a performance review, someone got a rating, and that rating equals often what you then got paid or you got a bonus of. And that was how the feedback was given to you. And that was often then linked to the career development that you were having. We know there's a lot of evidence now to demonstrate that that doesn't work in the sense that if it's about numbers, then people don't feel like they're psychologically safe to take on the feedback and think about their career, that actually career development is quite separate conversation to maybe a performance conversation. A performance conversation is very immediate. What's happening now? Why might your performance be up, down, or kind of static? That could be for so many reasons. It could be capability, but it could be that you're having a bad time outside of work and it's impacting your performance where career is much more longer term, it's about thinking over time, then reward. Yes, there is arguments for linking outcomes in how people perform to reward outcomes. But if it's all wrapped up together, it's all getting blurred. So what you're seeing as the main trend is delinking these areas and trying to create separate moments and conversations when you look at these different components and be really upfront about them. So in reward, the way to do that is it's not all based on that one conversation and that one rating. You're seeing reward solutions come in now that are ranging from more collective. So your bonus or your salary reflects the performance of the company, maybe the performance of your area, or maybe your project team or the product that you're connected to, as well as maybe some team targets, so more collaborative ways of working. 
you're seeing some people just totally delink it. So I've, I've worked with some organizations where everyone gets a thank you bonus, no matter what. And then there's a few on the spot kind of rewards based on people for performing really well, much more in the moment. So you're, you're totally shifted it. So once you've done that, that means that your career conversations can be more centered around career development over time. They maybe happen at certain times of the year. They're much more employee owned. It could even be that employees have their own budget for their development and they start to think about how do they want to develop, you know, or there's ways in that organization to access mentoring, coaching, other roles. And so it's much more of a autonomous way of owning your career. And then performance comes much more down to those ongoing conversations around what's going on. Are we going after these goals? How are we tracking on that? What does that look like? Recognizing that performance is not always high, that people have different types of performance. But also if we think of then link it back to Agile, add the whole ways of working with Agile is a natural feedback loop and talking about team performance and where the individual sits in that. So a lot of the conversations are already happening. So if you start to recognize that all these conversations are happening much more in the business and help those conversations happen as opposed to giving you a system that everyone must follow to do that or something that they all have to fill in on a system, then often it's more successful. And then some people are using things like OKRs. So there's lots of tools out there that you can start to link to. But the ultimate thing is delinking everything in the first place and then looking at what is the problem you're trying to solve for reward or career development or performance and solve those problems, mindful that they do connect, but don't have it all just resting on one conversation and one number. That's that was what I would say. I love that delinking and how everything is intermingled and how you actually focus on what problem are you trying to solve. So once you have this, how do you come up with a hypothesis, experiment and test and validate a solution before you actually release, especially for things maybe like rewards and performance management, because that could be a very touchy topic for people. And and it is, <laughs> it's very emotive and people mix up everything and everyone brings their assumptions. I would say one of the biggest dangers with these projects are your hippos, your highest paid person's opinion, because they have very set views on how people should be paid. So I've worked on these projects and if you've got a, a CEO or a, you know, a, a quite a senior person saying, oh, I want people to get individual bonuses based on delivering these targets, you've got to break that down. You've got to show them that something else works or you can't immediately ignore that, you know, because they're going to influence the direction. I know often sometimes in those situations, I've had to change things over time. You know, you can't make the big jump to something quite different and radical. One example would be that what we did is we changed quarter bonuses. So it wasn't all about numbers and money and things. And it was much more about feedback and career. Still, there was an annual bonus that we then changed to being linked to individual results, but also collective. And then maybe over time, you can then start to change other elements. So that's one. So that being aware of, of assumptions and context is really key. You'll be surprised how open people are to experimentation. If you're clear on what you're trying to solve with it, for a new reward approach, you might need to run an experiment for a whole year and see what that has. But the main thing is that you're measuring that people aren't feeling like they're worse off. People are feeling like there's 
transparency or whatever you're trying to solve, that there's, um, then you're not fixing that people are getting paid more. You know what I mean? Like, so this is, so what you need to be very clear on, what are you testing when you're changing these things? Other ones I've run uh, smaller, shorter terms experiments over say three months where you're trying out different ways of doing feedback or you're, you know, you're not using ratings for conversations. You're using other ways or you're, or you introduce OKRs. And often if it's behavioral, then you can see results. But again, your first test is that people don't think this is worse off and that things are stable. Because I think the danger with these solutions is people want to see this dramatic change and, oh, everyone is so in love with this new process and everyone's working so much better and everyone feels so much more rewarded. That doesn't happen in three months. This is a behavioral change. It takes a while. There's a really good book by Lazo Bock. It was quite a few years ago now, who's the head of, was the head of HR for Google. And here's a whole section where he ran all these experiments around performance and reward. Google had loads of numbers, loads of money. So they had whole areas giving each other mangoes and oranges instead of ratings. But as he said, you've got to run it as an experiment. You then end it when you say it's going to end, you show the data and you talk about the results before you move on to making a decision of what change you make. And the whole company can do the experiment at the same time. And it can go for a year or six months. But at that end point, you end it and you go, okay, we're stopping, we're evaluating. And then we're all going to talk about the data and the results and then decide on what is the next stage of this project or the next experiment or the, the solution we're implementing. The danger with these things is people often say, oh, we're, we're piloting or we're experimenting. And then it's not really clear, you know, we, the next year, well, are we still experimenting? Because we've still got the same system, but no one's, you know, what's actually, and they just start changing little things and tweaking and it's not a controlled experiment. So that I, I think you've got to put your lab coat on and, and, and actually run it and be very clear on your success metrics and the data you're collecting. And then you need to be very transparent when you report back to people in the organization on what that looks like. So you mentioned that as long as people know what problem you're trying to solve, they are quite open for experimentation. So how do you know what problem you're trying to solve? Well, you need to do some design thinking and you need to go and research and you need to prioritize. So if it's about performance and reward, you might say something like the business challenge is that people feel that there's a lack of transparency in how we decide how reward is given and people don't feel that their performance helps them in their career development. Already you've got loads sitting in that business challenge. So I would want to go and do some research. I would want to look at some people data. I would want to understand and different parts of my workforce, which I would often call personas or segments. I would want to understand what's the pain points happening to them. I'd probably do some human-centric interviews to understand what's the experience that people have. I'd probably map out the experience, you know, which is sort of a mixture of the process that you might have, but also the thinking, feeling, and doing that people are having at different stages of that, of that process. And then I would look at all of that and I would go, okay, well, what are the insights? And from that, you might have a series of problems to solve and you would need to decide, well, generally with these kind of things, you have to go after one first because it's quite big. And so to go and create an environment where pay feels more fair and transparent, I've worked in those kind of projects and a lot of organizations don't share that much information about how salaries are decided and what are the mechanisms and how is it determined and what might your bonus be based on. I've been in situations where just by releasing that information and talking more openly about how those decisions 
decisions are made, people feel they're more informed and they it's a more fair process. Some organizations, as you know, go as far as reporting it on their website and everyone knows exactly what everyone gets. That's quite a, a cultural thing that can be quite confronting for some, particularly for some cultures in different parts of the world. So it's very contextual, but you can make inroads into that problem that actually has nothing to do with performance necessarily. And then I would go after the performance problem a bit differently or, yeah, so very similar to how you might be solving large scale projects and product designs, but you do it for employees and in the organization. Wow, that's quite a holistic approach, that's for sure. And it seems to stem from if I actually hear you correctly, that you sense or you heard that there's some perhaps complaints from employees or some pains, and that will trigger you to actually start this whole process that you just mentioned. Is yeah, that right? but also, yeah, but, and, but don't jump from, so what happens is there's an engagement survey, there's some negative feedback about performance, and the next minute there's a whole new performance management process being released. You know, that is not the way to do it. Getting some data and engagement survey goes, okay, there's some things to investigate. Let's go and research this and let's exactly, yeah, see if there is validated problems to solve and what would be the priority. Because if you're in a business that are fundamentally losing great talent because, you know, there's huge churn and you're struggling to fill skills gaps and teams are all underpowered because there's all these people that have left. I would be wanting to solve that before I, you know, and if you find out that that's linked to the performance and fine, okay. But if it's not, if that's actually something else going on, I would want to go and focus on that first. So it's understanding the business context in which you're operating and doing a a data-driven evidence-based approach. Well, you also talk about transparency. So I'm just going to touch on this. You're absolutely right that the people have different view on transparency. So I'm just curious about your view on transparency and specifically on a number of things. You touch on sort of the salary transparency, but also feedback transparency, budget transparency. So what's your view on that? So my view is that there's a positive correlation. <laughs> we can debate causation around more transparency generally equals a more sense of trust and autonomy in the environment. And we have numerous case studies, you know, out there that show that there can be a strong sense of shared purpose and values for the organization. If people all understand more about how the budget is decided, what's happening financially for the company, how that impacts them, how their role feeds into the targets and the goals that are set and how they're rewarded for that contribution. But I'm the first person to say that there is so much that sits in that area of, of, of legacy and context. And I think it's really helpful to move towards transparency in as many things as you can. And if something is being held back as private, I would ask why. So if in HR, there is things that you should hold back because it's a personal grievance or problem for somebody that is very personal and, and should be protected. But if it's about how 
decisions are made in relation to headcount or definitely the way a salary is decided, maybe not somebody's salary directly, but definitely how it's decided, I think the more transparent, the better. So I, I think it's a big jump if you're in an organization that isn't transparent to go fully transparent. So how do you do that over time? I think if you're setting up an organization from word go, then there's more opportunity to establish that from the outset. And then I think you may have to give it time. There's a lot of tech companies where they're putting their salaries on the website, you can apply for the role and you know exactly what's being paid. I don't see anything wrong with that, but I know that some organizations I've worked in would find that very challenging. It's also transparency for everyone. So I think what the danger is, is that everyone has to be ready to be transparent. So you're senior, the most senior person, as well as the most junior person. It can't just be transparency for a few. And you get that, don't you? That things are known for certain roles, but not for the senior roles, or there's more discretion on bonuses at the top level, you can't have that. So it has to be consistent and equal. You mentioned earlier in the talk about transparency that culture plays a big part in this. So how much impact does culture have, especially when you have to experiment in multiple parts of the world, maybe as a large company that has presence in various countries and cultures? Is there any guidance that you can give? Well, you've got to just be really mindful and you've got to ask people. There was one a while ago now, actually, it was around feedback. So the idea was bringing in this way of people getting feedback from their colleagues and team members to then use that towards their development. Parts of this organization were in Asia as well as Europe, as well as America. And I went and had conversations with people in different countries to understand what does this topic mean to you? Because I had some assumptions, you know, assumptions of certain Asian cultures not being as open to this transparent feedback as others. And what was really interesting in that, one of the key people I remember speaking to in an Asian country at the time said, oh, well, you know, a lot of us have worked for these organizations that have this approach to feedback. Feedback. So we've actually started practicing a lot of this more these days and changing some of our cultural kind of approach to it. What was really interesting is when we got into it, there was actually more kind of genuine, authentic honesty coming out from that part of the world than perhaps, say, some American parts where it, there was this sort of, oh, I can't really say what I think because people will read it the wrong way or passive aggressive type, you know, or indirect language going on. UK, you get it a lot as well well, you know, oh, I'm going to say that that's fine, but it's not really fine. You know, it's actually, I'm not very happy, but I'm not going to say that, you know, where actually other cultures, it's about saying it and having an open conversation and, but not being offended by it. You know, I'm not happy here. So what are we going to do? So actually some of these assumptions don't all play out the way that we do. I also think there's a lot around the culture of the organization itself. So what's the values and what's playing out for this organization? And actually what's the dial that you're trying to shift for this organization? that's different to maybe the wider cultural construct. I was speaking at a conference in Denmark a while ago, and I'm talking about Agile HR, and there was these stats getting put up by another speaker around Danish organizations being less hierarchical and more collaborative. And then someone said to me, oh, well, we've got evidence of being, you know, more collaborative and team-based and less hierarchical. So what do you think Agile HR means for us? And I said, well, why aren't you doing it? Why are we even talking about it? If you 
you've got all the factors that are ready for it. What was interesting is when you talk to a lot of the people at the conference, they thought a lot of their HR practices weren't as modern as they could be. They weren't as agile as they could be. So again, these assumptions were playing out another way where we assume a Danish company is naturally more agile, not necessarily. So I think we have to be a bit careful of cultural assumptions and go and find out what's really happening for people. And yeah, if you get a lot of feedback that that is not appropriate, then you need to listen to that and you need to evolve the solution based on that. I'm curious. So for a big company, for example, a global company, which has offices around the world and some parts, some offices, perhaps they're not as open to it, as you said, while others are more open, have an open dialogue. How would you come up with a process that would actually work for the entire company if that's the case? Do you have to have a process that works for the entire company? Does it have to be one size fits all? Very good point. But you also mentioned for transparency, it needs to be, it shouldn't be some part. It kind of depends on what it is, isn't it? And again, I think you go back to what's the problem you're solving. You know, it's not just about introducing transparency. That has to be for a reason. And what transparency are you introducing? So transparency of feedback conversations is quite different to transparency of financial budgets and information. And in, in fact, you know, what I think we often miss with these things that then get linked to performance and feedback and things is that you can go and tell people to have great feedback conversations that are transparent and authentic and genuine. But if they then can't make decisions about their own budget, or they don't even have their own budget to develop themselves, or they're not even maybe trusted with their own expenses to a certain limit, all of these things interconnect. I would want to unpick that. And yeah, I would really challenge the concept of a one size fits all for organizations, even with performance. You know, I, I've been in organizations where, sure, the tech team wanted a very different approach that didn't really have uh, targets and ratings and and that because that fitted into this more team, you know, kind of knowledge worker environment. But then in the same organization, the customer services team quite liked liked the format that they had, but they were much open about hitting targets and missing targets than the tech team were because the way that the tech team do that, you know, it was just different in the way that you worked. I would challenge, do you have to have the same system? You can have different systems as long as there's some core values. And I think as long as it doesn't stop people from moving around that organization and having career progress and being able to share information, then it doesn't always have to all look the same. Brilliant. Brilliant. Now, I'm going back to the experiments. Since I'm not an HR professional, I have a lot more questions. Now, from an agile perspective, for agile ways of working, it says it needs to have, you know, doing fast experiments, use a short feedback loop so that you can um, learn quickly. Now, you also mentioned earlier that the experiments, for example, on the performance and rewards, these are not something you can do very quickly. You mentioned something about a year, six months. So is it not possible? to actually do fast experiments on topics like performance reports and ratings? Or is that a way that we can? So really good question. So there's two components to this. One is I think you can prototype on a shorter, smaller scale before you do more of a longer experiment to determine longer term behavioral change. And I talk about lead and lag indicators a lot. The problem is, is a lot of these things that we're changing, they actually have to take time to play out in the business. Like there's no other way to see if it works, you know, than allowing a whole cycle to run. Also, we have to be mindful of the business 
business cycle. So the last thing you want is HR teams running around releasing all these small scale experiments that disrupt the ways that we work. And you're probably not going to run a pay experiment at the same time that everyone's getting their end of year bonuses. Traditionally, you know, we might change it for the next year. So there's a few things you have to take into account. One thing that you can do, however, is, and we probably don't do this enough, is small scale safe experimentation leading up to that. So for example, there's a problem with career development. They do this research, they run some design thinking, they've realized that there's a a series of problems to solve, like we said. And one of them was that actually in this organization, there's lots of career opportunities, there's lots of jobs, but for some reason, it's easier for people to find jobs externally than it is within the organization. And so there's something stopping that. So they decide to focus on that. And this team then led to an idea around how do you build a sort of internal marketplace where people can connect their LinkedIn profile, they can find jobs internally in the organization. You know, it's a much more of a kind of platform where people are sharing skills and understanding different projects and opportunities coming up. Well, how do we even know that that's worth pursuing? A team I know actually sat with a bunch of employees and tested this on paper before they even went towards testing it as a tech solution. So they literally made up pieces of cardboard that had examples of emails and interfaces and they would put it in front of people and go, okay, now what would you do? You know, and oh yeah, I'd click on that. Oh no, I oh no, I wouldn't want to do that. Okay, why? Why why wouldn't you? What what's your what's your hesitation? And then only after having enough data that yes, it was still worth pursuing, you know, maybe with these particular changes, they went and then mocked up a tech solution and ran it for a short period of time, but just with say 500 people or a thousand people and then get the data from that. And only then are you then going, all right, well, we should hire someone to make it or maybe there's something on the market you've found. Right now we'll run that for three months with a group of people. And then after that, okay, now we're going to run it for half the company. So there's gradual scales of experimentation that you can do. And I think what maybe HR professionals don't appreciate enough is how do you make it that really cheap and cheerful testing to begin with, to just even validate this idea. Because to be honest, if you turn around to people and you say, oh yeah, well, we're going to change the performance process and we're going to, you know, introduce 360 feedback and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. You go and test that with a few people, just like bringing it to life, you know, with some, I don't know, a simulation or a role play or whatever you want. They will give you some pretty hardcore feedback about their immediate reactions. And that's enough to tell you, okay, is this worth, you know, what is this about? So I I think it's those different stages of experimentation. We've reached the end of this episode. Thank you for spending some time with us today with Natal Denk. We'll see you next time as we continue our discussions on Agile in HR here on our Agile Tales. Thank you so much for listening to our Agile Tales. Feel free to ping us on ouragiletales.com.